Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Foley is Pod. And of course, we couldn't do it without the hardcore legend himself, Mr. Mick Foley. Mick, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Conrad. Doing really good. We are having a lot of fun taking a stroll down memory lane, talking about all things 1998. What a big year it is for your career. Uh, we're sort of picking up where we left off. We talked about Unforgiven, uh, where Steve Austin would crush Vince McMahon with a chair shot at the end of the, <laughs> the match. And now it's a, a, an evil dude love, something we never thought we would see. <laughs> and the next night on Raw, the show is from Hampton, and we'll get into the invasion. But WCW is preempted due to the NBA playoffs. Uh, that feels like a real opportunity for the whole company to put their best foot forward here, no? Yeah, yeah, it really does. And if we're talking about this Hampton or Richmond, because it's Richmond where I had the big match with Terry Funk, that leads up to one of the matches with Steve. I might be off by a month here. That was prior to the Unforgiven okay. gotcha, one. gotcha. But, but here, this is just a couple of weeks after you guys ended the 83-week streak, and now you've got this golden opportunity. They're preempted. Yeah. So you've got a real opportunity here. And from the torch, it would say, Dude Loves Love Shack had two women with hippie <laughs> symbols painted all over their bodies, dancing and hanging on dude's arms. Dude said Austin used to be his main man, but the night before he chewed up Austin and spit him out. And he said, uh, his gas, his gas tank was empty and he met his women in his room and could tell in their eyes what they wanted, (laughs) but he had to break the news to the women. The dude just needs to be held. (laughs) What a great line that is. Because this is, you were getting into the attitude era. So we want to think, hell yeah, dude. Love. Yeah. Nope. He just wanted to be hell. We wouldn't give him I, that. We didn't want it. We needed to yes. dude, dude's in touch with his feelings. Uh, sometimes a man just needs to be held. Uh, you would go on to say the ladies missed out on a beautiful night of passion, <laughs> but he is without the gold because stone cold took the easy way out by trying to get counted out to save the belt. He said, McMahon talked him out of it. Dude said, Austin KO'd McMahon and Austin should be fired and they should have dude versus the former champ, Shawn Michaels to see who deserves to be champion, but his preference, let's just have the title be handed to me. <laughs> Great stuff from a now heel dude love. Uh, it feels like you're kind of trying to stretch whatever is left. You've mentioned before yeah. part of the way through the summer of 97. It's like, okay, this dude love stuff is. Yeah, it's getting tough. It's getting old, right? But a new, uh, a fresh coat of paint, as Bruce would say, a heel dude love. That's a challenge, but probably one you're up for. <laughs> I was. And we just kind of reinterpret the character. To this day, there are fans who think I speak five languages because I said I did. I believe one of my quotes was I'm a, a lo- leader of men, a lover of women, I speak five languages. I'm dude love. Um, it was it was fun. I mean, I'm I'm just picking up things as we go. I realize yes. I need a sports coat, and at that time, Mr. McMahon and I had this, you know, similar. Not, I mean, different physique, but same, you jacket know, size. same jacket size, and pa- pa- heavy padding on the shoulders. 
And so I'm wearing Vince's sports coat, but I still have the sweatpants and sneakers on. It's the mess. And I just, we're having fun, and I'm Vince's guy. Like, how much fun is that to be Vince's guy, his corporate guy? And of course, we all know the road. It leads me down, uh, and it's a fun way, you know, the, to climaxes, I guess, with rock, to, with the double turn, mankind turns. Uh, I know we're talking about dude, but dude leads good to... To, uh, to mankind, and then there's, in about August of 98, I realize I gotta bring some levity to this character, and we just strike gold. The McMahon-Foley relationship really becomes something cool. So as you're out here, Vince is gonna come out, quote unquote, with a heavy heart and a concussion because of the chair shot, and he announces that he's decided not to fire Steve Austin, but instead to punish him by putting him in a title match against Goldberg, or I'm sorry, Gold Dust, rather, with uh, Gerald Briscoe as the referee. And you do not take kindly to this because you felt like you deserved it. And you cut a promo on Vince in the locker room about it, and you attack Goldust during the promo. So I guess we're trying to show that there's a heel edge to dude love. It's not all fun and games. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you come out at the end of this Goldust-Austin match, and you attack Austin. Austin gets the upper hand, and he ends the show standing tall. But still, this is an episode that's unopposed. So... It sets an all-time record rating for Monday night. It does a 5.7. <sighs> That's the draw of the dude. And the real news coming out of it is the DX invasion. What'd you think of that? When you first see the invasion, like this is something fans have sort of dreamed of for a long time. What if this guy showed up? And we even saw some of that, like on the first Nitro, when Luger showed up, it's like, hey, what's he doing Anything here? Anything can happen, thing? right, yeah. Um and now, you know, we're, we're having some fun with it. DX hamming it up in the army fatigues. Uh, was that something you wish in hindsight you could have been a part of? Because you had a natural story as a guy who had been there. Yeah, but I mean, if you, I think you would have watered down the entire angle if you started including, every, like half the dressing room probably had a beef with, yes. of some kind with WCW. It was just perfect for those guys. And I really enjoyed doing that episode a few weeks ago. Uh, it aired a few weeks ago. We filmed it months ago. Sure. Uh, where we try to find the uh, the Jeep, uh, and we found some other DX memorabilia. Uh, but that was a great moment. It, it reminded me of the cell in the sense. Now it didn't remind me of it at the time, but looking back on it, it reminds me of something that gains momentum and builds its it builds in lore as time goes by so that it's talked about, it grows organically in a way that can't be done now in the uh, social media age, where I think both events would have trended for a couple days and then it would have been, what do you have next for me? Whereas in this case, it had time to build in people's minds and became more legendary as time went on, as it should have, because it was, it was really great stuff. We should also mention that uh, the next show is a taped show, and you were right. This is the Richmond show, and you would write that this is one of your finest hours. Uh, you're going to come out on stage to start the show and apologize for all the corporate misdeeds of the preceding few weeks and promise that you'll never suck up to a low life like Vince McMahon again or bump and grind with second-rate strippers in front of your kids and uh, you're never I, wearing the top Those are first again. Rate. They were first rate, <laughs> and they weren't. I don't think they were exotic. It wouldn't matter anyway. I shouldn't have used that phraseology, but go ahead. Uh, the Observer would point out that you actually said uh, when you didn't want your wife and kids to see you dancing, 
that that got booed, but then they turn around and cheer huge when you say, I'm never wearing that tie-dye crap again. <laughs> so the hardcore WWE audience at this time, man, they like Mankind, and they love Cactus Jack. Yeah. The dude loved character. <laughs> but but that was, that's what yeah. makes it a great heel. And I'm what, doing the thing uh, you don't want me to do. And what I love about this, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the terror, it, we could go in... We could go in order, but essentially by the end of the two hours, it was two hours at a time, right? Yes. Dude will have gone back on everything he Every claimed bit of was important. I'm never doing this, this, and this. He does them ever all. Ever again. Joyfully. Two and hours it, later, I'm doing them all. <laughs> doing them all joyfully. I love it. And the, the dancing that Vince does is just extraordinary. At the end of that show, like he puts his all into that. And I had the 27 Stitchy Roonies in the back of the head. There was a clip on there long since lost because it was one of the, you know, the B shows where they show Vince looking and it looks like someone has created a scale model of the Grand Canyon in the back of my head. And Vince goes, just a scratch. <laughs> might need a Band-Aid. And just dismisses that, you know, dismisses the health concerns of one of his his people, but I loved it. I loved the match with Terry. This is an example where sometimes less is more. Terry put me over so strong because I won with a succession of moves. It wasn't big move, kick out, kick out, kick out. It was, we're gonna have a heck of a match, we're gonna have a heck of a brawl. When push comes to shove, Terry put me over as strong as possible so that I was in the best shape possible, like perspective-wise, to take on Stone Cold Steve Austin. So if I squeak over Terry at the end of the match, I think it makes me look less impressive heading into the Austin match. And Steve was on commentary, and he goes, that was impressive. Yeah. That was impressive. And he makes that great, you know, fish hook um, uh, signal, that, you know, finger and mouth fish hook, when he sees that dude has gone back on, uh, so gone back on his words. So he's calling the match as if he respects both guys in the ring. Yes. And then he's lost a great deal of respect for dude by the end of that show. Vince is going to come out and cut what Meltzer would describe as one of the all-time great promos. And he's going to convince you that if you want a title shot again, you're going to have to go out there and earn it against Terry Funk. Okay. And he says, I don't want you to just beat him. I want you to destroy him. I want you to tear his heart out so that the blood drips down your arm. Then you'll get your title shot. And you wrote, I was completely under Vince's spell until the sound of glass breaking and the roar of 18,000 fans signaled the arrival of Stone Cold, who proceeded to tear down the Love Shack. So this is the end of the Love Shack set. And you would think you would be all over him and attacking him. But after you've just said you don't care about McMahon, blah, 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 you're not defending any of this stuff. So you guys, you and Vince, just stand by and watch it happen. Of course, Vince is annoyed. You seem to be pretty okay yeah, with this. I'm okay with it. Um, and what's interesting is they even show footage on Monday night raw here from all the battles in Japan. I was just thinking we're juggling a lot of balls here. Yes. These are figurative balls, which are not to be confused with phantom balls, phantom balls okay, just... available now in the t-shirt store. Uh, there's footage of you and Terry Funk wrestling over in FMW and the IWA and all your great Japan stuff yeah. you've done. The really hardcore stuff. And as a fan watching at home at the time in 98, I couldn't believe I was seeing this on WWE yeah. TV. Uh, and clearly they got some sort of a licensing deal worked out. I'm sure Victor was friendly with the office still, but what an opportunity to show some of those clips to a much larger audience mm -hmm. here in the States. 
Were you surprised that they were able or willing to do that? Well, they were able to show some of those clips when I did uh, the big, the famous interview with Jim Ross. So I wasn't surprised, and it was a nice like arrow to have in my quiver, you know, to yes. uh, to have that to show occasionally, and then we would bring it back in 2004, for example, before I wrestled Randy Orton to show what I was capable of doing. So I was not surprised, but I, I was happy about it because there's this great dichotomy of this dude love who had been the you know the the engaging hippie and who who have now who's now kind of metamorphosized into a <laughs> into a lounge singer on my on the cameos but in this point like he's showing that he can be dangerous he's showing he can stand up for however short a time for what he believes in and that he is a credible set threat to Steve Austin we should mention that uh, you're going to be in the main event here against Terry Funk, and Terry is nervous about the match. We even see him sort of upset about what Vince said, and we see you pacing. And you wrote in your book, Terry and I had a classic no-holds-barred contest, and before the match we spoke very little, but we both had the clear understanding that this was a very important match. Cactus, let's go out there and give it to him, I remember Terry saying, before leaving me alone for the next hour to prepare for the contest. Pat Patterson's going to be your special guest referee. You know, the company's hotter than ever. They're setting Monday night records. And you're in the main event, and you're getting ready to main event yet another WWE pay-per-view. But you're in the main event with one of your idols in wrestling. Yeah. I mean, this at this point has to be... You know, and listen, we use a lot of hyperbole. This has to be one of the most important matches in your career at this point. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, because I'm trying to keep that ball rolling. I realize that we've asked a lot of the fans. Yes. Uh, over the past six months, I've gone, or, um, yeah, six months, starting in uh, Royal Rumble. I mean, going back to September, so that's about eight or nine months, Cactus Jack is introduced you know, Summer of Love is on its way out. Th third character comes in, all three in one match. And we're asking the fans to invest a lot of emotion into a lot of different things just in terms of my character. So it's asking a lot of the fans. I guess it's asking a lot of me. I feel like I'm up to it. But I wonder how much we have left in the tank as far as the three faces of Foley go. Well, and I just want to add context, too, because we've talked about WCW a lot here, but you had opportunities to be working a top guy in Sting. Yeah. And then later working the world champion top guy in Vader. But it felt like once those were over, back down the cards you would go. Right, right. And so now here you are getting this momentum with Hunter. Here's Dude Love. Here's Cactus Jack. Here's the three faces of Foley. Now we're at the Rumble. Now we're back down to a tag match, which is fine because you're right. with one of your idols and all that. But, man, we really want to get to that next spot. Right. And you really feel it just the night after WrestleMania. But it turns out you're going to get to main event a pay-per-view against the guy. But back in the day, the WWF was just coming up with a heel factory to feed to Hogan every month. And yeah. I'm sure in your head thinking, it's the dude love character. This is a one-off. They're going to let me do it again? Again. I've got to prove that I'm the guy here, yeah, yeah. and I, I'm grateful to have this opportunity with Terry Funk. But if this doesn't go well, am I going back down? I mean, I, you got to keep this upward trajectory, right? I do, and it was so important to me that everything be perfect for that night in May. 
that I spent the previous night wrestling Brian Nobbs in an independent show and driving 500 miles <laughs> through the night when I got a cardio machine like Austin to contend with. And that was one of those things, as I'm driving back, I'm like, what was I thinking? Right. Why did the company allow me to do this? Yes. Uh, what was I thinking? I, I'm going to be exhausted right. working with Austin. And I'm nervous as hell that I won't be able to keep up my physical end of the bargain. I think I was down below three, you know, around 290-ish for this one. Like, I felt like I could go, but not without a good night's sleep. And it's crazy to think, too, just how quickly the pay scale was exploding. You know, like in terms of how hot the product was, but maybe... Not more. in my case, brother. Well, well No, what, I, was, I was doing much better in 98 than I was in 97. Sure. And much better. I mean, literally, you, you can guys do the math because it's in my book, you know. I made 130 grand working for WWE in 96. Now, granted, that was two-thirds of the year, but that's still not a lot of money considering that I was in semi-main events. And, yeah, and also that I was in a semi-main events, you know, all around the country with The Undertaker and a handful Multiple of main events. main events. Yeah, so 98, it got 97, it goes up to about 325, and 98, we're at like 650. But when Terry Funk said, Cactus, there's going to come a day when someone in our business makes a million dollars a year, we knew Hogan was making that, but that seemed like an unrealistic goal. And sure enough, within a year, there were a bunch of guys hitting that mark. Just a, a couple of years prior to this, you were tickled to get 500 bucks for a house show yeah. at an ECW event. Sure. And I got a met I won't say their name because maybe he doesn't want me to reveal, but I got a message from an independent promoter who you and I both know pretty well. And he mentioned that in this era... He booked you while you're working with WWF for an autograph signing and a match. And he says that you admitted him afterwards that you quoted him an astronomical price, thinking there was no way he would go for it. 1000 2500 2500 okay. So you wrestled a match and did an autograph signing for 2500 And he, you thought, allegedly, there's no way he'll take this no because way. it's way too, high. way too high. But the company's so hot, he made money. He did, yeah. And I just think that is just a reminder, especially when you just laid out the numbers. From 130, where, by the way, 96, for those of you who are wondering, included a win over the King at the King of the Ring over Undertaker, and then that unbelievable um, Boiler Room Brawl match at SummerSlam, and then main eventing against Shawn Michaels the following month at In Your House, mm -hmm. and then the Buried Alive the following month. So... Four incredible months just back to back to back, and it's still less than what you were making in WCW. Now, it was a little tiny bit more, and it was only two-thirds of the year. But still, but the just point is, yeah, I wasn't yeah. breaking the bank yet. No, no. And I think the rumors out there about my level of savings are – people have to remember, I only worked for WWE for four full-time years. Right. And the only time it was really big was 99, 2000. And then I had a big 2001 because I was the only guy, main name, who wasn't on the road. So I, I was doing appearances left and right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had to save what I could because I thought, you know, my clock is ticking. I don't right. know how much of this I can do. We talked in a past episode about how I thought I was going to have to retire in 97 because my back was so bad. And I thought any match could be my last, you know. Right. and. We were not nearly in a position in 98 where... To be comfortable from then To on. be comfortable, no, not at all. So Austin's doing a 
color commentator and drinking beer for this match. And you guys are pulling out all the stops. Terry's going to moonsault off of mezzanine. You're mm-hmm. brawling all over the building. You pile drive him on a chair and that gets the win. And in your book, you wrote many who saw it considered my match with Terry to be the best raw match of the year. Mm. I felt it was on par with my match with Austin, if not slightly better for the record, it was the only match I've ever wrestled as Mick Foley at that time. Yeah. These days, it seems that hardcore matches have become an excuse to go all over the building and hit each other with cool stuff. And that may be entertaining and I'm not saying it's not painful, but in my mind, it takes away from the things that really should be about intensity. And Terry and I wrestled with intensity that night. Lots of it. Probably still to this day, career highlight. No. One of them, I remember watching it back and thinking, I don't know if this holds up as well as I thought it did. But still, uh, I think I'm judging it by the number of false finishes and cool moves that you need today to be seen as having had a great match. Didn't have a lot of that, but the intensity was there, and the, you know the storytelling was it felt was, believable. Was great, and then when we follow up, I guess which we will with uh, you know the the key to all of this is the post match. The post match, and you have to have a hell of a match in order for the post match to mean something, because and, this is where I go with my you know, you know story of the the bad seed versus the child who who has the potential to be good and chooses not to. Bad Seed doesn't have nearly as much heat because they never had a chance to begin with to be good. But when a teacher invests their time and energy and gets turned on by that student, in a sense, that's what's going to be heartbreaking. So I wanted to offer up enough of the admirable qualities of of myself so that when I turn on all of them, it's more heat. I got you. Uh, you come out the winner, of course, you're going to challenge Austin. Cause that's what McMahon laid out to you. You got to beat Terry Funk and you did. So Austin gets in the ring, throws the beer in your face, and then you immediately lock on what you think is the mandible claw on Austin. But it's actually lock on it on Pat. Pat. I yeah. can tell you, uh, what Pat's comment was when he found out I had to take, he was going to take the mandible claw. He said, go deep. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great comment? Go deep is a new shirt available now, <laughs> Folius Pod shirts. Of course, when your vision clears, you see Austin flipping you off yeah. and you realize, ah, oh, I did the wrong guy. And then here comes Vince with two second rate strippers and your tie dyed outfits. And they his were, arms. Let's, let's just say they were top notch exotic performers. There you go. Okay. Uh, your music kicks in, you get up to the top of the ramp. And they're playing the dude love song. And here you go strutting and cutting and bumping and grinding and dancing with Vince. It's a great end. We start with, you'll never see me do that again. Okay. You got your title shot. I'm doing it. Again, right <laughs> yeah. Now, brother. Yeah. I'm never going to wear this stuff. Here I go taking it back. Like I'm holding on to the, uh, sacred creed scroll. And I just thought it was, the, although I remember I had to call my friend McKay. I usually stayed with a uh, middle school and high school friend. I usually stayed with her and her husband when I um, was in Richmond, and I had to call her up and say, like, I don't think you want me to stay over. Like, I'm in the emergency room, and I'm probably going to get blood on your pillows. So I got myself a hotel, brother. I love the interview, though, that you do. It doesn't air, uh, but that's when the whole story about, oh, just a scratch. scratch, Maybe a Band-Aid. The show is a smash. It really sets WWF apart from WCW at the time. I assume that this 
and I know it's a collaborative effort, but Vince Russo probably deserves a lot of credit for this, does he not? Uh, if anyone liked the stuff I did before he left, I mean, it's almost guaranteed that he played a role in it. Yes. And then I would have, you know, and then it's up to the performer and kind of take that stuff and run with it. Uh, 5-11, so April 11th, 1998, you're in Baltimore. May 11th. There you go. May 11th. Did I say that? You said April. Oh, sorry. 4-11, okay, yeah, in Baltimore. Apologies. Uh, the remaining three weeks, that's what we got. We got three more weeks to get toward the over the edge pay-per-view. It's going to be the last day of the month. And you wrote in your book, you decided to tweak dude's image. Uh, if dude was going to be Vince's handpicked corporate champion, then I felt like I needed to look <laughs> like it. So, uh, you felt like, uh, that you're going to borrow one of his clapper sports jackets <laughs> and, and a tie, and you probably need to cut your hair and shave. And you hadn't worn false teeth in a lot of years. So you had some trouble speaking with them, but you're going to try and maybe you'll sport a pair of eyeglasses. Uh, you're trying to be this full new corporate kiss ass. Um, are you doing this on your own? Are you talking to Russo and collaborating or what's I think, like? I think I was trying to do with dude. I believe as much credit as I give to Russo, this sound feels like something I decided to do along the lines of what I did in ECW, which is systematically take everything away from people that they liked about me, where I thought the shocking outrage would be, he's wearing his teeth, how dare he wear? And still you're in a situation where I cover up the bottom teeth because as my son Huey said, Dad, don't take this the wrong way. You used to look cool with your top teeth missing, now you look like a crack addict. Wow. I said, I believe you're thinking of a meth addict, son, but uh, I get the, the the point, right? It's not a it's not a winning look. If it had been any other match but Hell in a Cell, I would have had them fixed a long time ago. Right. And I'm still counting on uh, Dr. Baker to do uh, to do the work there. We have to set up a uh, a time to do that. That'll be shocking cross promotional stuff. I love that when it happens. Uh, but I thought, oh, the guy wearing his top teeth, that's outrageous. And eyeglasses, right? Now I wear them because I actually need them to, to read. So I, and I think on the day of the match, I actually had one of the women attempt to bleach my hair. And it never really took, but that's the reason why at the peak of mankind's popularity, part of that hair was lighter colored because it was a bleach job that did not take. I, uh, I'm fascinated by... The meth and crack. Are you saying crack is good for teeth, or it's not? I don't think it has the proven uh, enamel destroying qualities. Well, I think when you see someone's teeth have rotted out, that's usually, I believe, that's usually an indication of meth abuse. Or, or not, not that there's it. any such thing as proper use of meth. Right? <laughs> so you're going to go on the record right now and saying that. Smoking meth is just bad completely. Don't do it say, Yeah, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, don't do it. There's, so that's a hard stop. That's a hard stop. No I don't believe there's any situation which, you know, is... There's so, no medicinal purpose for yeah, it. Yeah, I don't believe know. so, yeah. Okay. And crack, same thing. Uh, just, uh, yeah, uh, these are... I mean, get some serious for a second. These are major life-enders. I uh, Changers, enders, changers in a very negative way. Um and nobody's not, life, nobody's quality of life has been improved with cracker man. Right, and I, I get, and I'm not poking fun at this woman who came up to me at a signing, and she just, I want you to know, I think she said, "Is a thousandth day sober." Oh wow! Thousandth day clean, and uh, so I spoke to her a little bit, 
about it, and I said, may I ask what uh, substance, you know, you had problems with? He said meth. And I saw that stuff destroying the lives of, you know, people I knew. And the telltale sign is usually the rotting of the teeth. Mm. And so that's why, you know, Huey, what I, I, if I'm speaking out of line, I apologize, you know, because uh, crack is awful and has ruined countless lives. You know? Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But I think the telltale sign of the meth abuse, one of them, is the rotting of the teeth. Copy that. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. You, too, can look and feel your best in time for warmer weather with Factor's calorie smart meals that are just like 550 calories or less. Maybe you're like me and it's just more convenient. I find myself too busy to cook and with Factor, I can skip the trip to the grocery store. I can also skip the chopping, the prepping and the cleaning up too. You see Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Factor has delicious flavor packed meals to help you live life to the fullest. Whether you're doing keto or vegan or calorie smart, or maybe you're bulking up with protein plus, these are great options. And when I say options, I mean a lot of them. 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options. So there's always something new to try. You'll never feel like you're stuck in a rut. They've even got breakfast and snacks covered. And if you're looking to cut back on takeout, save a little cash and it'll be ready faster. Here's what I mean. Factor is cheaper than takeout and it's ready in just two minutes. So put that time and money somewhere else. They also make eating vegan a snap. If that's something you're trying to do, I want you to know that this has all the ingredients you do want and nothing you don't want. That's where the dietitians and chefs come in, man. Get factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. You just choose the meals you enjoy and bam, here comes some fresh flavor packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes with no prep and no mess head to factormeals.com slash Foley 50 and use the code Foley 50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code Foley 50 at factormeals.com slash Foley 50 to get 50% off your first box. Uh, you come out and you cut a great promo with this new look. It seems that as of late, I've been having trouble with my identity. But now with the gracious help of Vince McMahon, I've found out who I am. I'm a speaker of four languages. I'm a student of American history and a reader of Greek tragedy. I'm a leader of men and a lover of women, as well as the toughest SOB in the World Wrestling Federation. As I'm Dude Love, your next WWF champion. That's good stuff, right? That's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. And of course, uh, as we know, the DAC is stacked for your match against Austin at Over the Edge. It's Briscoe as the timekeeper. It's Pat Patterson as the ring announcer. And as the dramatic stage is set, Pat Patterson introduces the special guest referee, Vince McMahon. Can I clear up the language thing? Yes. Decent German, when I work on it. Santa Spanish, which means I have only memorized. El ho, ho, ho. What is that? Yeah. Como te portaste este año, which means have you been behaving this year? Oh. So I'm capable of having a conversation with each Spanish-speaking family that comes up to meet Santa, and they don't need to know that that's the same conversation Santa has. It's, it, again, going back to wrestling, it's not what you know, it's how you use it. Yes. So when I say, como te portaste este año, how have you been behaving this year, they're always going to say bien, and then it's up for Santa to say, bien, muy bien. 
And it's just the leaning and in, 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 intonation and them all, muy bien, muy bien, and que va a querer este Navidad. What were you like this Christmas, you know? And then while there's some juguetes, which is toys, and it's like after those two minutes, brother, I'm out of Spanish. <laughs> and my daughter has a, a video of me practicing the words to Feliz Navidad a hundred times. Oh wow! And she catches me. Goes, my dad has been doing this for hours because this is back when the head injuries were still having a more of an effect on my on my uh, uh, short-term memory. And so I had to do it over and over and over and over. So we got the uh, decent German, Santa Spanish. Spanish is corny a language, because I speak we'll that pretty well. we'll and then I can uh, remember uh, two or three phrases. Uh, go to. <laughs> well, I'll have to think of my... The Japanese, I learned phonetically that I would say it every show, and I would get the woo, and like, if you're asking for more than that, nothing. Kenny Omega cut that amazing promo in Japanese that some people thought was counterproductive, because they thought, it, it, can we just, we did we cover the Omega interview he did in, in, uh, in perfect Japanese? No. I think we talked about it last summer because it was last summer when it came out, and I I put it out on social media and said this is the best. I don't I I know Medusa speaks uh, Japanese, but I've not seen one of her promos, and this is Kenny who's obviously worked really hard on it, and he's doing everything perfect. He's adding emphasis to t things, and there were people who go, oh, he's killing the gimmick. You can't show the respect to your opponents, like. Let me tell you something. There's been all hundreds, thousands of people who have been over to Japan and only a few, relatively speaking, I mean, a few dozen who've made a major impact. There's only room for a handful of guys to go the disrespectful route. If every gaijin who goes over there throws the flowers they hand you out and tears them up, it's meaningless. Yes. And so you are working in a crowded environment for, for every person who wants to go to Japan. There's got to be a every person who does go to Japan, there's gotta be 100 people wanting to take that spot. And you have to use every tool that is available to you. And the Japanese culture is all about respect. Yes. They're all about it. And like I said, you can, even Bruiser Brody accepted the flowers. Right. You know, you can't all be a ramp, we can't all be rampaging monster heels. Right. So I think anything that sets you apart is good, and I'll stand by my original statement that that's really good for business and really shows to the fans that this guy, so what, you might get a turn baby face to the crowd? I got news for you. They can tell if you're working hard. Yes. And if you're working hard, they're going to respect you, and eventually they're going to like you. In WWE and WCW, wherever you go, you work hard enough, you will be liked, and I'm just saying I think that's some really backwards thinking to believe that no one should go over there and care enough about the culture to learn the language. Agree. So down comes uh, Vince McMahon bouncing down the ramp and you describe it as Vince in a referee shirt that might be eight sizes too small. I think it was a boy's medium. There you go. I think so. I think medium. we saw it afterwards. Wish I'd held on to it. Oh, that'd be worth, some, been money. worth some money. Um, you wrote, Vince was wearing a shirt so small, my son Dewey would have had trouble squeezing into it. <laughs> the deck was clearly stacked against Austin, and the time seemed ripe for a new champion, a corporate champion, a kiss-ass champion, and I was ready. 
Um, Rock is going to have Austin in a chin lock. McMahon is going to enter the ring to try to save Austin, uh, but in effect distracts the referee, allowing D'Lo to come in and hit Austin from behind. Uh, eventually he misses a frog splash. Austin now has a chance to make the tag. But rather than tag in McMahon, he gives him the double finger and continues to fight off the nation by himself. McMahon enters the ring. He hits Austin with a hard clothesline. Patterson and Briscoe are holding Austin or holding, uh, Austin as McMahon starts to taunt him. And there eventually Austin fights out of the grip, but by then McMahon's already bailed. So you run out and attack Austin and then the nation enters the ring and a huge brawl erupts and the show goes off the air. So Austin's the biggest baby face, but it almost feels like it's him against the world. Oh yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, were you happy with this evolution of the dude love character? Did you feel like it was working or did you know, Hey, we're still, we're doing this, but it has a shelf life and I'm thinking about what I'm doing after. Well, I was really happy with it. Uh, when I did 20 years of hell show, it was about trying to pick up the pieces after dude. Yes. And now I'm mankind. And that's where I thought we've asked too much of the fans. Yes. And so that mankind was flat going into the cell match. And then of course, you know, the rest is history. It all worked out. It all worked out. But I was concerned. I was riding this wave. I didn't know how long it would last, but I, I was intent on making the most of it. Had I known that the future title of Mr. In Your House was uh, weighing in the balance, I would have been especially nervous. Guys, by now you've heard about Blue Chew on our program for a long time. Mick and I are big believers in Blue Chew, and we want you to try it. Sincerely, this isn't just for guys who have a <clears throat> problem. This is for guys who are trying to leave a lasting impression, for guys who want to enhance their experience. Think about it as PEDs for your PENIS. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime y'all day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple guys is three steps. Number one, you sign up at bluechew.com. Number two, you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, number three, you'll receive your prescription in just a few days. Blue Chew's tablets are made here in the USA. They're prepared to ship directly to your door. And by the way, it's in a discreet package. So don't worry about the mailman knowing your business. Okay. The best part, it's all done online. That means you get to skip the awkward conversations. You don't even have to go to the doctor's office. There's no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It doesn't get any easier than this. And I've never recommended Blue Chew to someone and they came back and said, oh, it didn't work. Everybody's like, hey man, uh, thanks for the pro tip. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it y'all. Let's have some better sex, shall we? We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free and use our promo code Foley at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is Foley to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. Next week, we're in Nashville, and it's a tape show for Monday Night Raw. And McMahon's going to introduce you, and you come out with the suit and tie. Yeah. Uh, you're going to talk about Patterson counting the three and Briscoe raising his arm, and you're trying to just you know, visualize what that's going to be like. And then Vince calls out Dustin Runnels by his real name. Dustin comes out and gets a nice little pop and McMahon starts to lecture him on not blaming him for his problems, but instead he needed to take responsibility for his own life. I can't help if you have a dysfunctional family. I gave you an opportunity. I gave you gold dust. You want to prove yourself. I'll let you prove yourself tonight. 
And this is after Dustin had acknowledged that he just had knee surgery, but it said, Hey, if you can beat dude on raw, you'll be in the number one contender and you'll get to face Austin on May 31st for the title. But if you don't win, I'm not paying you for 30 days, but you still got to work. <laughs> Dustin accepts clocks. You Patterson and Briscoe are going to join you and jumping Dustin referees are holding him back. I, I love Dustin, but. Why are we involving him in the story here? Just, we got to have something for it. I don't have the slightest. I mean, I guess, you know, they were exploring his character arc and where he goes after the gold dust character. I don't know. This is another one of those things I have no recollection of. Well, probably because you beat him in under three minutes, you get the win with the mandible claw. Uh, you're trying out a few different finishers. I guess it's worth mentioning. You you've really embraced this dude love thing, but you've been winning with the DDT. Now we're back to, I guess what we're calling the love handle, the love handle. Um, and what I liked is Vince had written in a heart on your arm, which is such a great touch for this. Uh, the, uh, the whole deal of the TV main event is interesting too. So in a industry where we're getting to a point where almost everybody in the business has has tattoos. tattoos. I'm putting a fake tattoo in my arm, yes. which is obviously that Vince fake. is drawing on. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's the most hateable. Uh, the TV main event is the Stooges. That's right. Briscoe and Patterson taking on Steve Austin. McMahon is going to appoint Sergeant Slaughter, who is our commissioner to be the special guest referee. Of course, Austin gives him the double fingers. Slaughter clotheslines him from behind. And now the Stooges really go to work. Uh, <laughs> Eventually, as you might imagine, Austin starts doling out these stunners. Briscoe, Patterson, and Slaughter. You run in, get clotheslined to the floor, and a masked man comes out of the crowd, throws dude to the ground, then he uses a chair against Austin. The guy unmasks. It's McMahon. It's McMahon. Uh, Austin tackles McMahon. Dude attacks Austin. What did mask? He was wearing an Austin mask, wasn't he? Yes. In the crowd. Okay. Great stuff. Just... Um, you're seeing a, a Vince get physical here though. We had teased the match back in April that really broke the streak, but there wasn't really a right. match. Did, were you getting the vibe here that man, Austin, uh, McMahon has the, like, he's got the bug to really do this. Did you think hadn't he already worked with Steve in the steel cage match that happened the following February? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can Valentine's. Okay. Yeah. He's getting, it seems like he's getting the itch and more importantly, the fans definitely want to see this. Now it's interesting because the following week we're doing what we would call the go home raw from Chattanooga. This is the last chance for us to sell the pay-per-view with dude love versus Austin. And you're barely on the show. There's no promo or anything like that. You do run in at the end and Wade speculates that Vince was relying too much on himself. The story of the show is McMahon getting arrested for assault charges, uh, because, uh, Austin has filed these. And of course we would see the company do that over and over. Um, and then you show up at the end to sort of stick up for Vince and throughout the show, they went backstage to the parking area where McMahon. Briscoe and Patterson were stuck in the police car. Austin said he'd let him go if McMahon would apologize. McMahon flippantly apologizes and Austin doesn't accept. And then frazzled McMahon bows his head and sincerely apologizes. Austin pats him on the head and calls him a good boy, humiliates him and then lets him go. And then McMahon storms down to the ring, said he didn't mean that apology. And he's just trying to get back at Austin. And he's going to make him fight the undertaker just six days before his pay-per-view defense against dude love. 
So now, you know, we involved Dustin last week. Now the police and Undertaker involved. This is not your traditional build to a pay-per-view. I think there may have been some concern that Dude on his own wasn't a strong enough contender. Okay. Even though I think we'd put that fear to rest to a certain degree the next mo- the month before, but now you're asking fans to invest their time and money another 1995 because it was an in-your-house match um, on a guy who's just been uh, cleanly beaten. Uh, or not cleanly, but overmatched, uh, you know, a very good match that we had in April, but I think there was little doubt that I was the loser of that match. Right. Uh, so I, I'm just speculating that may have been the guess, the point, the idea was that dude alone is not going to be strong enough. It has to be like Austin against the world. Well, that's certainly what we're setting up here. Undertaker comes out and believe it or not, choke slams Vince McMahon and then picks him up and, and threatens to tombstone him. But here comes Kane. Now he's going to drop him and they'll start brawling. Eventually Austin's music hits. He comes down with the belt. Briscoe and Patterson catch a few stunners. He ties McMahon's arms in the ropes. He's crying in agony. Austin gets a chair. People are ready with anticipation thinking he's going to destroy events. And here comes dude love. Austin is going to nail dude's chair with his own chair. Briscoe and Patterson help him escape the ropes. And that's sort of the finish for this go home edition. And then that also gives undertaker a reason to be involved in, uh, in this May 31st over the edge match with, uh, with me and Steve, he's the, uh, enforcer at ringside. And then as you alluded to earlier, after you've been working the house shows and special guest referee spots, and you've been on TV and you're getting ready for another pay-per-view main event for the WWF in your most lucrative year of all time. But first, let me go wrestle Brian Knobs on this independent and in drive, Ohio. Uh, drive 500 <laughs> miles. My goodness. Um, you wrote in your book, I've mentioned before that I consider man, uh, mind games against Shawn Michaels to be my best match. The future King of the ring was probably the most emotional over the edge with Austin. However, was undoubtedly the most fun to watch. Yeah. I think don't so. get me wrong. I got the hell beaten out of me and I was so blown up that I must've been running on something other than oxygen for the last 10 minutes, but I've never before sent seen or since seen such a reaction from the boys as they watched the replay the following day, smiles and laughter for 20 minutes as they watched our elaborate 20 minute epic drama unfold. Thinking about it now, it's a small miracle things went as well as they did. I mean, this match is is almost one of your forgotten great matches. Well, I think after there were so many bells and whistles at that point, but that was unusual at the time. And after that, bells and whistles started to become a big part of WWE main events. Yes. Maybe due to the success here. I mean, uh, uh, there was every everybody meant something, you know, and the idea that the rules were being changed during the match, and Jr. was calling it accordingly, with disbelief and contempt that we went to this matches now. <laughs> Anything goes. They changed the rule. They changed the match three different times. Patterson takes a world class choke slam. Yes, I think he's even got his feet kicking as he goes through. Briscoe doesn't take it as well, but he still goes through. It's it's 
fun to be part of. And like I said, I'd forgotten I wrote that. It, uh, uh, but it's coming back to me about how much the the boys and boys collectively means men and women. Yes. Yeah, we we understand that, right? Uh, we're enjoying watching that match and catering. It's a great match, and Meltzer gives it four and a half stars. I think you should go out of your way to watch it. It's an all-time classic. You pull out all the stops, and it starts with Pat Patterson coming out as your announcer and reading off these ridiculously long, scripted series of introductions. It's super silly. Here you come, dressed up in your sports coat and your flowered blue pastel tights, and you're dancing around, and uh, here comes the opponent. The bell rings, and we start the match with a little bit of, believe it or not, scientific wrestling, but don't worry, not too much. Uh, just a couple of reversals, and then a quick one count by Vince, but that earns the ire of the Undertaker, who'd been brought down by Austin to watch his back, so to speak. So for the rest of the match, Vince is going to play it straight, uh, but he makes it clear who he's pulling for just with his mannerisms. Oh, he was good. Uh, a few minutes into the match, I took advantage on Austin. I was choking him outside the ring when Vince suddenly got wide-eyed and ran over to Patterson. This is just a reminder, Boom Pat's voice, that this is a no-disqualification match. <laughs> I love that because that wasn't ever announced, but he's just, as a reminder... A reminder. <laughs> As I'm changing things on the fly. And of course, JR would comment, well, that's not fair. This match doesn't have any stipulations. Austin eventually takes over. Dude uses a, a ball shot, sends the champ to the outside. As you're putting the boots to Austin halfway up the entrance aisle, Vince gets wide eyed again. And now Pat's on the mic again. Just a reminder in this match, false count anywhere in the building. Oh, that's great, said a sarcastic JR. I guess they're just making the rules up as they go along. The the writing and, and the way the story evolves, yeah. but then JR's delivery, oh, it's just yeah. it makes it. It's perfect. And I think Meltzer actually mentioned the fact and he was happy that I chose not to I, I climbed up on top of a, a second a junked car because yes. that was the set. The idea of being able to drop an elbow off of there, Steve's going to move. And I'm going to come crashing down on my hip, but I'm about eight feet in the air. And so I, I guess I had a little crisis of confidence, kind of did the feet to the knees to the hip. And Dave was actually grateful because the pop I was going to get as a pop I did get as opposed to what I would have gotten, there's not much that different difference, no. but the difference physically is that one means I'm going to be okay after the match. The other means I'm going to be walking with great difficulty for a couple of weeks. The just wrestling on the cars. I remember this so well because it's part of the set for the over the edge. There's these old junk cars and, and you're smashing windshields with the big back body drops and you're diving off the hood, looking for an elbow and, I uncharacteristically cheesed out yeah, and landed partly on my feet instead of my hip. The fight continued into the ring. They're going to catch you with uh, the upper hand with a vicious chair shot to the face. And at that point, Vince refuses to make the count. And and you have to keep in mind, Vince is selling all this. Yes. To the utmost. The look in those eyes. You got those great expressive eyes and facial expressions. And I think Meltzer even pointed out that Vince was really working hard here. And he goes, and no, that's not he making it that's not sarcastic. Like he was really working that gimmick. Uh as 
Vince has now screwed Austin by refusing to count. Austin knows the fix is in. So he's in Vince's face. Patterson slides you the chair. You come charging with the chair hard, but Austin moves and quote, my boss took a shot so hard that it literally knocked the caps on his teeth off. I caught him with the claw. And before he even went down, Patterson slid in as a parent substitute ref and attempted to count Austin out. But before he could get to three, however, the undertaker slid in from the outside and promptly choke slammed him. Now it was Gerald Briscoe's time to slide in and attempt a ludicrous <laughs> three count, get pulled out and choke slammed through a table. I got up and turned into Austin stunner and Steve made the count himself with Vince's because Vince had hands. said that the only way this match can end is by the count of this hand. And he goes this very, and he does the side tricep yes. with the boys medium. So that definitely played into it. It's like, it is Vince's own hand. Yes, one, and, two, And, oh, three. what a sad... I have to tell you, Conrad, it's just such a satisfying feeling when you get to... You know Steve's going to celebrate with the fans. Yes. But the celebration is kind of yours, too. Yeah, because it was a great match. Because you worked so hard for it, and knowing you're going to go back and you're going to have that hug with a large, sweaty man... And it's just a rugged platonic guys thing, you know, man, you're just so happy. Yes. You're just so happy. And I've been in situations, Steve is a good friend, but I've been in other situations where you have that type of feeling with somebody who's not necessarily a good friend, more of an acquaintance. But for that time, you, you are. are deeply, you are connected. Yes. You, and then I, I even said in one of the books that it's like, the next day is like the honeymoon period where you watch the match together. And then depending on whether it's a building match to another, to another match or you're on to different partners, you celebrate that one moment in the sun together and now you're competition again. And it's just, it's a, I mean, it's just, it's a really, it's a unique, very, I'm, I don't know, I guess basketball players, other athletes have this too, where, Somebody becomes competition with yes. trades and whatnot, but I think it's a it's a pretty cool aspect of of what we do to have that moment, and that's what I've missed. That was one of the things I missed the most was not having those moments again, you know. And that it's and as much as I love doing the one man shows and uh, you know my appearances help where I help out Santa, I've had a few of those that are almost as gratifying. But that bond with your opponent, oh man, it's something really special. So by now, you know, that Mick and I have spent a lot of time talking about some of these death matches and some of these bloody wars that he had, but you probably also know that that blood was intentional. You see, nobody wants to get cut accidentally, but unfortunately a lot of us do it. If you're using a cheap razor, you're getting those nicks, those cuts, that irritation. And I got to tell you, I got pretty annoyed with that whole subscription razor concept a few years ago. I found they just kept stacking up. What I enjoy most about Henson shaving is that it doesn't feel like a gimmick. It feels old school. Seriously, just the actual blade handle itself. Dude, it's metal. It's not some cheap piece of plastic that's going to break on you or frustrate you. This is like, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to last a lifetime, but it feels substantial. It feels like something our grandparents would have used. And at the same time, man, you get a whole pack of these straight razors. Dude, this is old school, but here's what's cool about it. And here's why I believe that you got to meet Henson shaving. They're a family owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover. 
And now they're bringing that same technology and engineering to your shaving experience. You see, I've learned that razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble. The more the wobble, well, the more nicks, the more cuts, the more scrapes. You see, a bad shave isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. So by using aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It's also got a clog-free design. You see, this razor has built-in channels to evacuate the hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. Let me explain. There's no plastic. There's no subscriptions. There's no proprietary blades. There's no planned obsolescence. The Henson Razor works with standard old-school dual-age blades, but it gives you that that new age, that new school tech. I mean, dude, these folks have made stuff for space. You darn right they can make stuff for your face. And once you own a Henson razor, it's only like three to five bucks a year to replace the blades. I'm a big believer in this. I was overwhelmed with the value. Seriously, you're gonna get more blades than you can imagine. In my first shave, I have to admit, I was a little intimidated. I haven't worked with a straight razor like this before, but dude, it was easy and I felt like a badass when it was done. I'm gonna tell you, the design is incredible. The durability is awesome. It's super affordable. My buddy Cassio Kid came over to watch the Royal Rumble and I had told him about the razor before and I said, hey man, I gotta show this to you. And I showed him the blade. I showed him the razor. It's, it's something you gotta see. I recommend it. It's the most manly thing you can do today. It's time to say no to subscriptions and say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com forward slash Foley to pick the razor for you and use code Foley and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure you add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G.com slash Foley and use the promo code Foley, hensonshaving.com forward slash Foley. Super fun stuff, man. I just love this match. I love this moment. And, um, I, I'm curious, you know, we've had a late, we've seen a little bit of physicality from Briscoe and Patterson. And this is really one of the first times that they're getting involved like this, but they had to love just being involved in this, didn't they? So much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Pat had this idea, and it didn't get approved by Vince, but Pat had this way. I hope I do justice to him with the voice. And he was like, I was thinking that when I come out and I'm giving that introduction, a fan just dumps a beer right over my head, and I'm looking like a wet rat. And it would have been funny. You know, it would have been funny, but it didn't get done. It didn't matter, though, but it's just an idea of this is how we were, you know, we were looking to put this match and together. he's willing to do whatever oh yeah he was and you can see that he's you know even though he's decades past his physical prime he's having a blast brother he goes up for that choke slam briscoe not quite to the extent but still went up and these guys are having uh you know a second half act in in their careers that nobody could have foreseen it's really no wonder that this match was so good i mean let's just recap who all's involved in the storytelling here Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Mick Foley, Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe. Oh. This has 
I mean, there's only one way this can go, which is fabulous, right? I mean, look at just the minds involved in this. Uh, Meltzer would say the crowd was going nuts for almost every spot. The one spot that didn't get a reaction was Austin stomping on <laughs> Dude Loves False Teeth. Jeez. That's when I thought would get the huge reaction. Right. And then to make things even you know more bizarre, and I talked about this on the first episode of Treasures, when Steve stomps the mud hole in those false teeth, and he did, I saw him walk he it dry. Him. He walked, well, first, not before he walked it dry. And then he threw him out to the crowd. We come back to Milwaukee either four or six months later, and there's a, either security guard or police officer. Uh, Mick, we've got something for you from a fan. It's in a gift box wrapped up. I open it up, and it's my front teeth. And I'm thinking, this is a baseball hit into the crowd, yes. right? This is a given that this is a unique souvenir. Yes. And instead, it becomes uh, it get, comes back to me, and I didn't end up using them. What'd you again. do with them? I would only wear them when I was Santa. And uh, the reason I decided to get the bottom teeth taken care of, you know how wrestlers go, well, I would do it, but would my character do it? Oh, I see. So I finally reached a point where uh, the teeth had rotted so badly, the ones that were knocked down and put back in. And I thought, well, Mick Foley might have rotten, nasty, green and blue teeth, but Santa wouldn't. And so I got the one out of there with a ball-peen hammer. (laughs) We were having trouble finding uh, a dentist who would let me keep the teeth. Kids get to keep their teeth, but adults is considered refuse, you know? It's garbage, dirty. And so I did find a dentist who would let me keep the tooth. And so that's out there somewhere. You think Dr. Britt Baker would let you keep a tooth? I'm going to ask her. I'll have I mean, to have a conversation with Dr. Baker as soon as we... Uh, could you, could you, uh, you said you could speak it earlier. Could you ask Dr. Britt Baker, because you all are both industry professionals. <laughs> could you tell us what that might sound like if you used the time-honored tradition of speaking Carney? Uh, yeah. Uh, Diazir Briazit. Me as I, I... Miazine, Tiazith, <laughs> to Kiazipin. You know, if I was really, now everyone speaks Karni these days, but the real key is when you can mix in the EAZs with the UAF. So, Bruafit, Biazaker, Muafi. <laughs> and you, when you can speak it rapidly, it becomes really, it becomes really difficult for the average layperson to understand. But the truth is, uh, the carny almost became like the ultralight handshake in yes. that it was meant to identify someone as one of the boys, yes. but would later go on to identify someone who thought they were one of the boys, <laughs> but was not. So when I would see like an independent guy come in, you know, to do favor, you know, do enhancement or to be seen, and they'd give me this, I'd be like, "You don't want to give that handshake to the Undertaker." They're like, why not? I said, "I can't explain it, but no one does that anymore." You know, I mean, uh, Billy Gunn in, uh, is identified in Becky Lynch's upcoming memoir as shaking her hand as if he, she owed him money. <laughs> like, that's the extreme end, but the firm handshake is in. The, the, the little, the two-finger stuff went away about 25 years ago. Let's, uh, let's encourage everyone. Go out of your way to watch this match. Even Meltzer loves it. It stands the test of time. Four and a half stars. I would go so far as to say five. It's a near perfect match. And by the way, 
Meltzer was even shocked that the stomping of the tooth spot didn't work. Didn't go over, He right? says, geez, Eddie Graham and the great Malenko built an entire industry in Florida around that spot in the 60s, and three decades later, it's not even good for a pop. <laughs> um, you know, listen, we've talked about some of your favorite matches of all time. I, you know, I'll go so far as to say that it worked better on TV than it did live. Okay. Because live, if you're up there in the third level, you, you might not be able to see, what's going, not be able to see what's going on. That's, that's frustrating. Steve appears to be, and the teeth are only you know this big, you, so you know, with the see. flipper. You might not be I able to see it. it. Yeah. Great point. Let's talk about where this match ranks for you. I mean. I don't know. I'm not speaking for you. Is this top three main event for you? Like you and Sean at mind games, you and Hunter at Royal rumble in New York. Well, I considered the match I had with Randy. I know there was uh, another, did that go on last? It didn't go on last, but I don't let that determine what the, I'm just saying yeah. if we're trying to qualify yeah. as a main event, cause clearly the most memorable thing was hell in a cell, but, but that wasn't that technically wasn't, the that main didn't event. go on last yeah. either. I'm just thinking of the ones where we say, Cactus Jack or Mick Foley or Mankind or whatever. That's probably my top. That's probably my top three. Uh, Mind Games, Triple H, and uh, this match. It was some great opponents too. Sean <laughs> Hunter and Austin. That's about as good as it gets. Uh, this is actually your last singles match against Steve until Survivor Series. So you're going to get an opportunity to work with him at the April pay per view, and then at the May pay per view, and then again in November. Um, when this match is over, are you on that sort of post-match high the way you've described? Oh, over you now? know I am, Conrad. Yeah. You know I am. This sounds like the type of thing I may have even had a, a beverage after. I don't know for a fact, but as much as I, as little as I drank, there would be a time and a place to have a couple of celebratory post-match beverages. Can't tell you if I did, but this would be something where you don't want the night to end. And you know that once you go to bed, you're not going to be sleep, able to sleep anyway. Right. Because you're just reliving every moment in your head. And I've asked a few, uh, uh, you know, the current superstar people I'm, you know, friendly with, like like a Becky, uh, you know, or a Sasha, and said like, were you able to sleep last night? Right. And I no, how'd you know? It's like because you were replaying everything that happened in your your head. Like how yeah. did you know? I was like, I've been there. It's one of the things I miss the most. You're just laying down, or in the case of the match I had with Sting at um, uh, Beach Blast, I was driving like the 500 miles home from Mobile to Atlanta. I'm not sure if it's exactly five, but I think it's about a seven hour drive. And you're just reliving it over and over and over in your head. Just not, there are other times you lay awake because the match didn't live up to your expectations. And you're going through everything in your head and you can't sleep then either. Uh, and then I'd say most of the time it's a good match, but you can sleep because it wasn't good enough to relive over and over. Yeah. So I've maybe only had 10 of those nights where I was like, I don't want this night to end. And you just, you, you just feel so good about what you've done. Yeah. It's a post-match glow. You know, what's fascinating too, that I don't think we think about, and you and I didn't even touch on here today is the guy in Austin's corner is the undertaker. Yeah. And he's not technically a part of the match. You know, he's just the second in the corner, but just one month after this, yeah, in June of 98, he's standing across from you. And I think it's pretty amazing when you really think about, which we just listed off your most important quote unquote main events or your favorite main events. 
The Undertaker wasn't in there, but without the Undertaker-Mankind feud, maybe none of this happens. Right. Oh, yeah. And definitely. he's here for this, and then the next month, man, yeah. magic. Yeah, I usually, is the, you know, each year passes, I'll post something. I don't think I posted anything last year as I realized this is 25 years. And I'll go out of my way to thank him because without him, I'm just a hand. You know, I'm just a, res I think I'd be a respected hand. But if that program doesn't go the way it does, and I didn't, I didn't join in, join up thinking it would go that way. I joined up thinking, okay, Kayla Ring, 96, Milwaukee, I do the favors. Right. And then I moved down the, uh, the ladder. And I get, I mean, I had to do a double take when he goes over the finish. I went, wait, wait, me? You know, like, yeah. And then we were off to the races, brother. So thank you, Undertaker, for everything you've done. You know, you've done for me. Unbelievable. Next week, Mick, it'll be the one-year anniversary of our show, and we're going to talk about your first match, your training, and how you broke into the business right here on Folius Pod. Love to have your interactions on social. It's at Folius Pod on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. So if you've got a question about that topic or any of our other shows, that's the place to stay plugged in. Uh, by all means, please take a look. See the video version of our show. It's unlike anything else we do. It's Foley on YouTube.com. You see Mick is sporting a brand new, different t-shirt today. They're all available at FoleyIsPodShirts.com. Bang, bang on the door, baby. Uh, check it out. Foley. I'm going to leave you with a little wisdom, and I think this is important for everyone out there to know the value of words and how we use them. Yes. For example, I ran into a young lady a couple of years ago who told me the last time I saw her, I finger banged her. Wow. <laughs> I don't think that happened. Mama, didn't he finger bang me? And I said, are you talking about me bang, going bang. bang, bang? Yeah, let's find a different phrase for that. That <laughs> last, Just in the last couple of days when I was driving up and down the road, I was like, when I go back out on tour, that's a story. Do you think yeah. we need a finger bang me t-shirt? No, 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 no. And it was funny because uh, on live, on a live raw, uh, only two guys in the back popped because they had traveled, you know, traveled internationally. Uh, it was uh, the little fellow uh, without the, or the little, <laughs> the little guy with the chin, <laughs> James. Oh, Ellsworth. Ellsworth. He goes, I remember, I'm giving this to you because I remember watching when The Undertaker tossed you off. The, oh, tossed so you I off. Said, he threw me off. Yeah. Let's not say tossed because it means something different in the UK. And I hear like three guys in the back pop and no one else has any idea what I'm talking about. But if I say that in the UK, it gets that monster pop because people can just, I'm not going to explain to you what it means in the UK and most of the world that's not the United States, but... It has a very different meaning, and none of us need to be thinking about the Undertaker. So you're that saying way. we can't have a shirt that says "Taker tossed me off and it changed my life forever." No. Thank you, Taker, for tossing me off. <laughs> no, no, under These no are No, under no circumstances. I'm putting the boots that one. I'm going to take that idea, Conrad, and I'm going to stomp a mud hole in it. Okay. And then I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to walk it dry, brother. I mean, I really want a finger bang me shirt. <laughs> no, 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 I, I mean, bang bang. That's what we're talking about. By the way, if your business target's been 25, 54 years old, you should advertise right here on Folia's Pod. You hear some of the same ads over and over and over. Why is that? Because it really works. 
We have a super targeted audience, and that means there's very little waste. Go right now to advertisewithfoley.com to find out more about advertising here on the show. And, of course, just in time for Father's Day, Cameo. Is there a better uh, gift? I can't think of one. Man, I, I do. I go all out. I really do. But Father's Day, I try to treat it like a big holiday. I appreciate the fact that people place down their money. I try to give them something, all of you, something that outperforms uh, expectations. So that's cameo.com slash Mick Foley. And you can also see me this weekend at Comic Palooza in Houston. How about that? Check it out. We absolutely love catching up with you every single week. The only thing better than listening to this show is seeing you and meeting you live in person. Uh, and there's one place they can go to to keep up with all of your appearances, Mick, and that is? RealMickFoley.com. Come on, RealMickFoley.com. We'll be back next week talking about your start in the business. Don't forget this Sunday and every Sunday, by goodness, A&E, Most Wanted Treasures, of course, Last week, we got to take a look at Bret Hart. Uh, yeah. Any idea, any tease for this uh, week? I don't know. I don't I don't know which one this is, but I can tell you they're all good. Yeah. They're all good, and I really I really enjoyed it, and I think uh, I was exhausted because I traveled so much to do it, but uh, it feels good to sit back and watch and see the, you yeah. know, to see, the, see, see everything that's up there on the screen. A lot of wrestling happening this weekend, but maybe none more fun. The most wanted treasures. Check it out. A and E this Sunday night. You'll be glad you did. And we'll see you next week right here on Folia's pod. Fight plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment. And they're now offering a free seven day trial at tryfight.com. fight plus is packed with a premium live event schedule over a thousand hours of live action every year and a library of more than 4,000 hours on demand plus exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com. T-R-Y-F-I-T-E dot com. Hey, guys. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on adfreeshows.com. An all-new edition of The Insiders is here. Conrad sits down with author and historian Keith Elliott Greenberg to look back on his time with the WWF during the golden era of wrestling. You know, I wasn't working for, you know, the JCP magazine, or I wasn't working for Vern Gagne's magazine as, you know, everything was imploding. I was working for Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and I was watching the uh, the company expand, and I was watching talent I'd been reading about in the other wrestling magazines arrive on the scene. Ad-Free Show's members recently chatted one-on-one with the hardcore legend himself, Mick Foley, for the first edition of Ask Mick Live. Is there a particular place that you get the Foley flannel? Uh, yeah, I do. I go on Amazon and I type in Buffalo plaid. Um, Buffalo plaid is the one that has the, like the even square checks. And I order them. They run small, so I order the, I order the 5X. Uh, yeah, and I've got, uh, if anyone's been watching Most Wanted Treasures, you'll see that I'm literally getting by an entire season with three long sleeve flannel shirts, a cutoff flannel shirt, 
about five different t-shirts and that's pretty much it brother hey that's just a small taste of what ad free shows has waiting for you including a brand new perk getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows with four levels to choose from see for yourself why ad free shows is the best value in wrestling today sign up now at adfreeshows.com that's right sign up today at adfreeshows.com